morning broadcast. So the word's getting out there and the people are up at Camp Syker that they said, you know, if we were closer, we'd be coming to your church. I says, well, come anyway. And so they're tuning in now to uh, the services here. And so we're expanding our network of people that are being impacted by the ministries of Trinity. So let's uh, get right into prayer and into the Word. I was t telling those who arrived a little bit earlier, uh, boy, it was like a kid in a candy shop finding just two prayer principles in the entire book of Acts to nail it down. I mean, there's they're praying all the time. They're praying about this. They're praying about that. They're praying all oh, the Prayer was lifted up, and and, yes. and uh, so we're we've tried to narrow it down, and we'll see if we can make it through today. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the the fact that you give us the privilege of prayer, and as we've been studying in your Word, Father God, how that you've given us principles and and precepts to go by as we pray. You want to hear from us, and you want to speak to us in return. And we pray, Father, as we're continuing to look through the book and see how you want us to pray and what we should pray about. We pray, at Father God, this day you would strengthen us, encourage us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Answer your phone. Okay, now... I'm just making sure here. I'm just making sure. Yes, I, I have turned my... No, I haven't. I, I left it on just in case there was a last-minute detail. I'm going to turn the sound off. There it goes. So no Indiana Jones theme today. Okay. Let's turn to the book of Acts. First of all, to chapter 1. Chapter 1 is always a good place to start yeah. as you look into the book. <clears throat> and look there at Acts chapter 1, verses 21 through 26. Acts chapter 1, verse 21 through 26. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time, that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to the day when he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. And they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, Show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship for which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. You know the situation. They've seen Jesus ascend. They've been with him, walking with him for 40 days as he was reminding them of what he'd already said. And the disciples and those that were following, uh, at one point there was over 500 gathered together who saw him uh, 
120 in the upper room that will be in the next chapter. But we find that Jesus has ascended and now they've gone back to wait on the promise of the Father, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as they're there seeking God and praying, they determined that there was an empty spot around the table of the twelve disciples because of Judas and his sin. And so they, they took it upon themselves to replace Judas in the leadership team of the apostles. And our first principle we want to look at today is the importance of praying over leadership. Praying about leadership, praying who to lead, praying for those who lead. And uh, we want to see their, their qualifications that they had for the person who was going to replace or take the position. He, they weren't trying to replace Judas. It was a position that they were going to place someone in. And they wanted the Lord's guidance and help in that. So Judas is gone. Jesus ascended to heaven. Leadership is needed in the early church. Now there were over 100, around 120 folk in this room. And the, the uh, and it's not that big of a room. How many of you have been there with us uh, or on your own to the upper room? Uh, it's not that big a place. But boy, I've had some exciting times in the upper room. Oh my goodness. Uh, one time when the Spirit of the Lord was just moving, when you walked in the room, it was the presence of God just hit you in the chest. And uh, people were weeping. And, and even our guide, who is not a, a believer, uh, was standing there crying and says, What's happening, Ken? What's happening? And I explained and says, Well, the upper room is not just about the Last Supper. The upper room is about coming of the Holy Spirit. And we had people from all over the world in there, all singing praises to Jesus in their native language, and we joined in singing with them. And oh, what a, what a time, what a time. Well, they're in this upper room, and <coughs> the disciples said, we need someone to fill this position. And we want to look at the qualifications that they established. What were the qualifications for someone to fill the position of the apostleship that Judas had relinquished? What were their conditions, their qualifications? No, they didn't. That was not, that was not a condition because they weren't full of the Holy Ghost yet. That's chapter 2. Huh? So jumping ahead there. Yeah, we, we're, they had to be we're chapter one. Yeah. They had to be a follower. They had to already be a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They had to already be a follower. Uh, you know, sometimes, have you ever known people just kind of want to jump on the bandwagon? Mm -hmm. yes. And uh, I'm not a good person to be around if you're jumping on the bandwagon and trying to take over. I, I don't care for that. But they had to not only be faithful followers, but for about how long? For the ministry of Jesus 
the entire from John the Baptist when he was baptized and the Spirit of the Lord came down and God said, the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. From that time until his resurrection, they had to be a part of the group. Not just latecomers, not just, uh, well, we started <coughs> off, but we faded away. No. People that had been following Jesus for a minimum of three years. Uh, no rookies. No Johnny-come-latelys, as they used to say. They'd already been followers. They were looking amongst their group for people who had already been followed. And we know that there were many followers of Jesus. We don't know their names. Well, today we find out two of their names because these were followers of Jesus. And you remember on two different occasions, one time Jesus sent out 70, right? And another time he sent well over 100 out. And they were going out empowered by the, the word of the Lord to impact lives and demons were subject to them and whatever. So it's very possible, highly likely, that these two gentlemen that are submitted as candidates, they've already been ministering in Jesus' name. They followed him for that period of time. They had been ministering under his power and authority. They were there as Jesus went from town to town. They were consistent followers of Jesus. They weren't rookies. They weren't novices. And uh, <coughs> following from John the Baptist till the resurrection. Why no rookies? Why no novices? Why no Johnny-come-latelys? were to be considered for the position of the apostleship. What do you think? Because they don't have the knowledge. Okay, they don't have knowledge. Uh, is it... If knowledge is a criterion, uh, one of my pet peeves, they're, they're working on... Uh, the general council of the assemblies is downtown at, at the convention center, and, and I'm here. <laughs> oh, never mind. But uh, one of the things they're going to be discussing is that uh, they want to require some additional teaching uh, for ministers who have been ordained, like myself, for close to 50 years. And uh, they, they, they want to... They're going to look you in? Yeah, yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah. And... Uh, I said, you know, I submitted a questionnaire. I said, well, I'm, I'm really willing to do that. I'll do the same extra courses that Peter, James, John, Paul did to keep their coordination up. I haven't heard back. I haven't heard. But uh, knowledge or learning is not necessarily a good guide. There are people, I went to seminary with people that had multiple doctorate degrees. They had studied years and years and years and years, but they didn't know Jesus. Wow. Knowledge, a degree, I've got several. 
I had somebody gave me a third degree one time, but that's, that's, another, that's another story. But uh, actually, I do have a third degree. But, but uh, you know, it doesn't make you anointed. You can go to school, you can study, you can have a, uh, I've got a bachelor's degree. I don't know why they call it a bachelor's degree. Anybody ever think about that? I was married when I got my bachelor's degree. <laughs> I, don't under, I don't understand. But, I got two master's degrees, master of divinity and a master of religious arts and education religious education, and then a doctorate degree in Bible subjects, uh, but it didn't make me anointed, didn't, didn't make me a pastor. Knowledge is good, but wisdom is better. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we've got a lot of educated who don't know the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So what were, what why no rookies? Did they just need to take some more courses, or why? Why no rookies or novices? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm wondering. I'm just wondering in the time period that they're in. Mm -hmm. Maybe they think it was very urgent. Time was short. I, I mean, that's what I thought. Maybe uh, because they did think the Lord was going to come back soon. Well, there was an urgency. They needed to get someone in a leadership position, someone to fulfill that role. Um, but if you're if you're urgent, then why have qualifications? You know, you should take anybody. You know? Why no novice? That's my question. Not why they were in a hurry, but why no novices? Why no rookies? The top. Well, I think that, that they needed to have the witness of being with Christ, the experience. And personal experience of following him and a witness to the resurrection. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, the Bible tells us that there are other aspects of ministry that require that you're not a novice. Uh, why, why else shouldn't you have somebody just kind of new in the faith? I mean, well, they're on fire for God. They're excited. They just got saved. They're just filled with the Holy Spirit, and they want to go out there and do stuff. Why? Why not? Why not put them in a leadership position? Because they didn't go through the hard knock. Okay, they didn't go through any hard knocks. Yeah. Why else? It caused them to lose their faith. I mean, they, leadership is not a place for sissies. It's not a place for novices because. You're going to have things rise up in leadership that <clears throat> cause some who are not fully committed to run streaming into the night. <clears throat> I was just talking yesterday with our missionary, uh, David Turner. He's, uh, they just arrived, uh, but their plans have changed because of situations back in the in Guatemala. They have to return in two weeks. Uh, they won't be back until next spring. Uh, and one of the problems is that during COVID, between deaths and that was a smaller part, but people losing out with God and walking away from the ministry, 
in the country of Guatemala, they lost 400 ministers. Because when the tough times hit, sometimes the newbies, they don't have the stamina to hang in there. You know, when everything was going well and the churches were growing and all these things, yeah! But when the hard times hit, the scattering. So he has to go back and rebuild. So he has somebody to put in charge when he comes back to my itinerate. So, uh, but we were talking yesterday and uh, he says they're having a big problem right now because Young people are going in, they feel called to be a missionary. But it comes after they were on like a missions trip. Or they were in a big missions convention. And an exciting time where they went over. How many of you have ever been on an overseas missions trip? You know? And it can be very exciting. You know? Uh, I've taken many and, and you're going over and you're you're ministering to people or you're doing work details to help the local church. And when I went over to the Ukraine, uh, every night I was speaking to a packed house. I didn't pack that house. The missionaries there did. And, you know, it's a, it's a great feel. Wow, I get to preach before thousands. But you didn't have a thing to do with that. You know. And what's happening is some of these young folks are getting the, the, the fire and excitement of seeing the big crowds and all the people cheering you and everything. And they get over, they realize, you've got to get up on Monday morning. And you've got to work. And you've got to go witness to people that don't want to be witnessed to. And you've got to live the life in the trenches. <coughs> And we're finding that many are folding <clears throat> under the pressure. But why else? No rookies. No novices yet. I think after listening to the evangelist on Saturday, Jed, I think his name. Jed. Um, you have to go through the hardest stuff to be able to reach, you know, anyone. you gotta, you got to get down like him. He lost it all, you know. Yeah. And so he's able now to go out It can't be just theory. It's got to be practicum. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> at one point, I was someone advised me, says, well, what you ought to do, Ken, uh, you ought to get a, a degree in education in case the ministry doesn't work out. And it sounded like a great plan for two or three. And then I read, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, who called you? It's going to work out. You know, it may not work out the way I'm planning, but, but uh, some, if you have a backup plan, uh, and it's just all theory, but I found in studying some of the educational principles, you have to take all the courses to be a teacher, but then you have to do student teaching. And that's where many people fold. You know, because they're going in without any authority to teach a class. How many of you ever taught a teenage class? 
I taught junior high and high school in a Christian school. And uh, my, 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 a Christian school. My, my, my. I, a kid came up to me one time. I had a signed homework and Bible. And he said, my parents said that I'm supposed to tell you that I've got other homework in other classes. Why should you be assigning me homework in, in Bible? Because this is a Christian school. <laughs> His parents actually went to the administrator of the school, complaining. So I was requiring homework in Bible. Did you win? Oh, it looks at you and cusses you down and up and down and spits in your face and everything. Some of the the feelings of excitement ever away. Yes. I need two people to read. I need somebody to read First Timothy three, <coughs> one through seven. We'll do that. I got it. You got it. First Timothy three, one through seven. Galatians one. 11 through 18. Okay. All right. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. Then Galatians 1, 11 through 18. You may not understand the Galatian passage until I explain it to you. But that's, for some of you it'll make sense. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desire a good work. A bishop that must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, at to teach, nor nor given to wine, no striker. No greedy, a filthy loser, a patient, not a brawler, not a covetous. One that ruled as well his own house, having his children and so forth. Objection to the all gravity. For if a man knows not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. He's being lifted up with pride and banded up. Because Jesus told him he would be. <clears throat> but the, the story of the upside down crucifixion is legend. It is, it is not scripture. Now I believe it probably happened, but it's church tradition. It's not Bible. And we need to, we need to be cautious we say, well, I know exactly what happened. Well, uh, you know, we can study and, and historical documents, but many of them are a little spurious uh, and uh, hard to believe. But we don't have any biblical reference of how these people died. Give me your best shot look. <laughs> we, we don't know but historically speaking we believe according to tradition that they all died a martyr's death except who? John John 
And he was on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the, the gospel. And ultimately we find that when they came and uh, repopulated that island, when it ceased to be a prison colony, they found a church there that John had founded and inscriptions related to that. So, you can't get second-hand reference to the resurrection. Uh, they needed first-hand reference. And you say, well, what about the Apostle Paul? You know, he wasn't a first-hand record witness of the resurrection, or was he? He saw Jesus. On the he saw Jesus. Yeah. On, he met Jesus on the Damascus Road and had a long chat with him. <laughs> and Jesus told him everything he would suffer. And Jesus called him to be his voice to the Gentile people. And the Spirit of the Lord wrote through him uh, all of these things that we we read in the New Testament. Uh, he was a witness to the resurrection. And when you go through the letters that Paul was used to write, you're going to read the word resurrection a whole bunch. Why is it so why is the resurrection so important that that this was one of the qualifications? Because it shows that Christ had conquered death. Yeah, that Jesus Christ had conquered death. He's not just another good man who died mm -hmm. and is buried. And that's it. But he was the first fruits of them which slept. He came out of that tomb. And he lives and he reigns. He ascended. He's coming back. Yes. Our hope is not in a in a tomb someplace. But I love it. I I it's what it's the highlight of my trip to Israel every time. <clears throat> when I walk inside. When I walk inside that empty tomb. And it's still empty. I was telling Grace this morning about I was having a very difficult time. My son had just passed away that fall. I was slated to take him to a, a group to, to Israel. It was tough. It was tough. And uh, I put on my big boy shoes and I, I did it. And, uh, I made it. I lost it. Uh, one day, I was getting on the bus and everybody's looking kind of strange at me and I'm kind of used to that over the years. But, <laughs> but there's a guy on the bus I didn't recognize. He was the... <clears throat> pardon me. He was the director of tourism for Israel. And he said, Dr. Keene, we have a presentation to make to you. We know this has been a difficult tour for you to lead after your son passed away. And he said, Journeys Unlimited Tour Company 
has purchased a number of trees planted on the slopes of Jerusalem overlooking the Holy City in Phil's name and here's a certificate that those trees overlooking the place of the hill where he's going to come back one day Jesus is going to descend and set foot on the Mount of Olives well breathing that day was tough but then we went to the garden tomb we went to the garden tomb and I want to tell you the hope of the resurrection means everything and uh, pardon me if I weep my way through Israel but Resurrection is the key doctrine of the Christian faith. And they wanted to make sure that the person that was going to be walking with them had had experience. They weren't a rookie. They were following Jesus for at least three years. And they were a witness that he's alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Resurrected from the dead. And after they submitted these two names, verse 23 says, And they proposed to Joseph called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed. And they prayed praying about leadership, praying for leadership is integral in the cause of Christ. Don't just put somebody into a position or a ministry without praying over it. I'm sure Justice was an equally good person. He had the qualifications. But God has a plan. And the old adage is God has a plan, he has a man, and he can. But we need to upgrade that. God has a plan, he has a man or a woman. Amen. And he can. Amen? Amen. And they prayed. They prayed. So they're taking their decision and placing it in the hands of the Lord. Praying over leadership. I don't know when it will be, but there'll be there'll come a time when you'll be faced here at Trinity with some names before you to be your new pastor. No, no, no. You, know. uh, you need to look at all the qualifications. Don't compare them to anybody else, but you gotta pray. Amen? you got to pray. And if you don't pray, you're just, just like the world, voting on somebody out of your own knowledge. How many of you know the actual heart and mind of another person? We have trouble enough figuring out our own heart and our own body. 
God knows the heart. That's what they pray. Look at verse 24. You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. <coughs> We've discussed this before. I didn't bring, I don't believe I have my lot casters with me. I used to have a whole bunch of them down here, but The, the concept of casting lots, they had two candidates that they submitted. Both were qualified, right? Both had followed Jesus long term. They'd been a part of the 70, the 120 that went out. They were, they were a part of all those groups. They had ministered. They had been used to the Lord. They were witnesses to the resurrection. It's one of those flip a coin, either one's good. But that wasn't good enough for the apostles. They said, God, we want you to tell us who to vote for. We want it to be guided by you, not by our intellect and our decisions. And so the method of casting lots was very simple. They would either make a mark of the name on a stone, or they would put water on one side and nothing on the other. And the side that came up, the water side that came up, they designated that to a certain person. A variety of ways of, of casting lots, but the simplest was they put their name on a stone. We find this throughout Israel, various locations where they have found names on stones. They found some at Masada. They found some at other uh, sites where people cast lots to determine who was going to do this or who was going to do that. And they put their names up, they would pray, and the name that was drawn was there. So they put on one Matthias justice. They probably just put justice because all those other names would take it up all the <laughs> And then they said, they didn't say, okay, let's vote. No. Lord, you know hearts. Tell us which one. And the lot fell. It doesn't say that it was a three to two vote. You know, it doesn't say anything like, no. They all sensed it was Matthias. It was God's choice. And the lot fell on That lets me know what God was in this. You can't get, you know, ten people in a room to all decide on where to eat lunch, let alone, you know, who'd be in charge. You ever done that? Isn't isn't that the goofiest thing? Well, where do you want to go for lunch? Anybody hungry? Yeah, we're all hungry. Where do you want to go? Well, well any place is all right with me. That's what I was here. Honey. That's what I was here. Doesn't matter to me. Any place is fine with me. Well, then I'll suggest something. Well, not, 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 
leadership, the more prominent, the more uh, attacks of the enemy. And uh, we need to be praying for, for those in spiritual leadership over us. And not just that, like, like when we gather to pray over our mayor. Not particularly a fan of our mayor. But uh, does he need Jesus? Yes, he does. Does he need to be saved? Yes, he does. Does he, does he need to make righteous decisions? Yes, he does. And so I'm going to pray for him. And we gathered to pray for him last Saturday. He showed up. He stayed for 45 minutes to ask us about our concerns about the area. And uh, how we could partner together to try to address some of them. Um, and spiritual leaders need prayer. Uh, why is it good for people of a congregation of a church to pray for their pastor and their and their board and their spiritual leaders? Why is it a good idea? Because they have rule over you, spiritually. Spiritual oversight. I've never considered myself to have rule over anybody. I can't even get my dog to do what I want. But, yeah. I'm just going to say they're our shepherd. Yeah. Trying to be the shepherd uh, to the sheep and uh, to lead you where the food is and uh, protect you from those who would come in and, and devour you. I see that as my role. Um, and I need prayer in that because there's a lot out there. They're ravaging wolves that want to tear you to shreds through their spurious doctrines and philosophies and ideals. And it, it's a scary thing uh, to work with that. And I appreciate your prayers. And as, as you pray for spiritual leadership, you have a part in the victories uh, that are won by that. You know, and uh, so we praise God for that. Any other good reasons to pray over spiritual leadership and for spiritual leadership? As I mentioned, there'll come a time, there was a time 15 or so years ago that in 2007 where uh, you folks prayed and some of you are wondering, well, who was the clowns that prayed? Yeah, man. Well, <laughs> I, I think it was a God thing, but I could be mistaken. But uh, uh, there'll come a time where there's there's the need for if this old old dude fades away into the sunset or uh, I just don't have the health or the stamina or if I cease to be have effect uh, you're going to need to pray somebody else in don't just look at the resumes they tell you very little you can paint resumes there's a whole course you can take on how to paint a good resume. Yeah. I, I got to real quick tell you this story. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Um, my, a lot of favorites. I was, past, I was pastoring a new church plant in Oxford, Ohio. And uh, we were meeting in, in the school, in the high school there. I have found out just recently that uh, Jeff Sowers, uh, he attended that high school. He remembers the, the layout of the school. Uh, and I received a letter in the mail, a flyer, about this guy who was a gospel trumpeter. Oh, I love trumpet music. 
My son Phil played trumpet. I just, I just love good trumpet music. And it told all about him and how that he had played with, with uh, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brats. Anybody remember? Oh, yes, yes. yes. And uh, he played with them. And, and uh, he was a part of our church up in Lima. And he was willing to come for free will offering. And I was just so excited. I it said that he's recommended by by the pastor up there, who was also the presbyter up there, whom I respected at that time. And and, 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 and so I called and I booked him. I said, are you by any chance free? I found out he was completely free. Uh, he didn't have any other engagements. Uh, and then I found out why. And he came, he came, and he was staying with us. We didn't have money for a hotel. We had a guest room. Cleared the kids out of it. Well, I had one at the time. But, but cleared the kids out, and, and uh, he was staying in there. And uh, in the morning, I heard the worst sound I've ever heard. <laughs> and I come to find out, he came out, and he said, I'm just trying to get my lip. I haven't played in a while. I'm trying to get my lip back <laughs> and it, it didn't happen and, and uh, so I'm trying to make conversation I said well I was just having a bad morning man of faith and power me uh, I said so I was so impressed when I saw your flyer that, that you had played with Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Grass he says yes I have all their albums I play right along with them <laughs> It was a long day at Living Faith Assembly of God Church in Oxford, Ohio. Don't believe all the resume stuff. And I used to get resumes from assistants. I, I had multiple assistants when I was up at uh, Painesville. We had a youth pastor, children's pastor, uh, visitation pastor, all kinds of pastors on the staff. And uh, so I was get interviews all the, I was interviewing all the time because they kind of rotate around and some of these people they out resumed me and they would condescend to come to our lowly church you know with all of their accolades oh my what a mess uh, don't believe just any resume that comes by talk to God about it God knows the heart he knows the true story I don't care how educated or uneducated. They could be just a blithering idiot. But God can use blither, blithering idiots. Amen. 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 He uses this blithering idiot. So we need to pray for spiritual leadership. Second principle. Prayer can shape things up. Amen. Yes, Oh, of all the scriptures in Acts, of all the prayers that are prayed. Oh, oh, oh. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. So when they had further treated them, they let them go. This is Peter and John. They've been beat up because they healed a guy. Finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. They didn't take any credit. 
for that lame man that walked. They gave all the glory to God. It was God that did it. Blame him. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Situation is that all Peter and John did was go to the temple at prayer time. Such a simple thing. But on the way up, a guy who had been there his entire life, he's 40 years old now, he's lame, can't walk, hasn't been able to go up, cripples were not allowed up at the temple level. There's a sign that there was going to come a Messiah who would heal the lame. And he's begging for alms. And you remember what Peter said. Just look on us. And he looked up, expected to get some money. He says, we don't have any silver. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God. Nobody knows this? Walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he did. Amen? He took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he, he didn't just walk. He jumped up and down. He ran up those 70-some steps up to the top of the Temple Mount and hooped and hollered. And the crowd of people gathered up at prayer time. They're all over the Temple Mount. And he's bouncing and running around, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people looked at him and said, yeah, that kind of looks like that guy. It is that guy. He couldn't be. He's crippled. He can't walk. But look at him now. And they gather around. And like, Who did this to you? He said, I don't know their name. You know, they didn't. Tell him their names. Because it wasn't about Amen. them. Amen. Watch out for those that it has to be about them. Watch out. And they, so they go over and he hugs on Simon Peter. Peter's trying.
get his hands off of him. And he says, don't look at, like, at us like we did it. Jesus, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, he did it. There's no other name given among men by which you must be saved. He turned the healing into a salvation message. Well, then the, the guards came in. Because this is up on the Temple Mount, remember? And uh, over here's the temple, then there's the courtyard of the Gentiles where people, anybody could watch what was going on. There's the porch of Solomon where people would gather in, in the shade of the day. And so they're all over there gathered around and they said, take him away. And so they latch on to Peter and John. They tie him up and punch him around a little bit, take him over to the Sanhedrin, which is at the front end of the Temple Mount. And uh, they said, oh, we're, we're just too angry to talk to him today. Throw him in prison, beat him up, smack him around, put him in chains, and we'll talk about it in the morning when we call the rest of the Sanhedrin council. And they got up and they called him in. And oh, Peter preached a message to him, didn't he? He preached a message to him. You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. And that's the reason this guy's standing here, whole and sound. And why couldn't they really do anything substantial to Peter and John? It says there. They didn't have any rules or things that... No, it says that they couldn't do because it was obvious to everybody out there that they, this guy had been out there for 40 years. Yeah. Lame, couldn't walk, carried in in the morning, carried out in the afternoon, begging all day. Everybody knew the beggar at the beautiful gate of the temple. But he's bouncing, he's still bouncing all over the Temple Mount, praising God. They couldn't just spit it away. They beat him up and said, Don't don't speak anymore in this name of Jesus as well. Then they go to his mom and dad, too. Yeah, yeah they went later to them. They they were trying to mess with the whole family up. We don't know anything. You know, we know Oh, we just bring him here. We don't we didn't do anything after we left him here. Yeah. Don't talk to us about it. Now they, they, they could tell said here you wanted to have the campers. So, so Peter and John, they've been beat up, they've been in prison, they're all they've got uh, messed up from in the prison, they've been manhandled. Where do they go when they're released? Well, I'll start preaching the word. No, that's not what it says. What did it say? That's not what it says. Where'd they go? They went to the gathering of their brothers and sisters, their companions. Now, I want you to picture with me. I don't have a, a thing here, but a, a picture of it. But the Temple Mount, you have the temple. You have the open courts. You have Solomon's porch. We find out that Solomon's porch was where the early church met. Solomon's porch, you can look it up. That's where the early church met. They didn't have a building. This was public property. They were allowed to go over there. And so Peter and John were released over at the front where the Sanhedrin <laughs> building was on the Temple Mount. And they walked across to the other side of the Temple Mount, the location of that today is where the El Aska 
Muslim mosque is. Same location. And they walked across that courtyard. And they went over where their brothers and sisters were gathered, praying for them. And what they do when they got there? Okay, I only got a couple minutes. I'm going to answer for you. They reported what had been done to them. They told them what, they, what had been done to them, what they told them. They told them not to speak anymore in the name of this Jesus. They were told they were, your worst is going to happen to you if you don't shut up about it. And they reported. And then they prayed. And what did they pray? Did they pray for healing for Peter and John? No. The operative answer is no. Did, did they pray to smack those Sanhedrin in the face or knock them down, to pray down fire from heaven on them? No. no. Did, did they pray that, that uh, they back off and not have any problems in the future? No. They said, Lord, you, you hear what they said to us. We're asking for a few things here. We're not asking for anything personal. But we're asking that you give us boldness to keep preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And we're asking that you would send more healing power. If one little guy being healed of, of lameness can cause this kind of stir, how about thousands of people getting healed by the power of God and the stir that that... And I want you to bring signs and wonders and do all of these things and increase our boldness to preach the name of Jesus Christ. And when they prayed like that, it says the place was shaken where they were assembled. They asked for boldness. And what does it mean that the place was shaken? What, what, are, what are some possibilities in your thought that the place was shaken? The what? The Spirit of the Holy Ghost was moving. The Spirit of the Holy Ghost was moving? What else could it mean? Shaken. Changed. Changed? That it really shook. The building moved. There are several times in the New Testament where that word is used. Uh, the word saleo. Saleo. I think I put it on here. Saleo. And it's the same place where, well, you know it. Acts chapter 16. That word is used in a physical shaking of the place. You remember that, don't you? Paul and Silas have been beat up, thrown in jail because all they did was set a little girl free of demonic possession. They beat them up, put them in chains, put them in the bottom part of the prison. And at the midnight hour, they praised God and sang praises. And at the midnight hour, the place was shaking. And that was a physical shaking of the place. Same word that is used in this portion of Scripture. So it could have been a physical shaking of Solomon's porch. That the temple mount was shaken by the awesome presence of God as they prayed and sought for 
Boy, wouldn't that set the priesthood on fire? Over just, just, just across the block there. And the Sanhedrin still meeting. Whoa! You know, we don't know. We don't know. It could have been a physical shaking of the place that they were gathered. Another possibility is the people in the place were shaken. And another place in the, in the book of Acts, in Acts 17, it means, the same word, saleo, means to be stirred up. How many of you know what it means to get have somebody stirred up? Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard the old expression, stirred up a hornet's nest on that one? Yes. And what are they saying? Did they go out and speak comforting words to the hornet's nest? No. Yes. no. What does it mean to stir up a hornet's nest? Make them laugh. Woo! Man, you, you, you come over there and you bat at that thing and boom! They come out with a vengeance, don't they? Mm -hmm. they? They come after you. And they don't care who you are, how big you are. That's right. And, and uh, a few months ago when I was preaching the message about the bees are back, uh, uh, you know, I found out that when you swatted them, with their multiple eyes, it looks like a hundred hands are coming their way. And boy, that just makes them matter. Yes. Stir it up. Stir it up a hornet's nest. And in chapter 17, it was in a negative sense, the Judaizers were stirring up the people against Paul. But the word is the same word as used here. The place was shaken. The place was stirred up. It could mean any way. We don't know if it was a physical shaking or it was a stirring up of the people. I kind of believe it was a stirring up of the believers that were gathered at Solomon's porch. And Peter and John came in. They've got bruises. They've got uh, knotted hair. They've got uh, marks and, and bloody nose and whatever. And they're saying this is what happened. And, and they, they told us to quit talking in the name of Jesus. And that hit like fire in the hearts of the people in the upper room and, and the people in the chamber there of Solomon's porch. And it just stirred them up. And they said, oh God, you're, you're the one who created all things. You made everything on this planet. Give us increased boldness. Send even more healing power. Send mighty signs and wonders that its people may know that Jesus is Lord and Christ. And the place was shaken and stirred. And don't anybody go and do the James Bond reference. I like my drink. Shaken and not stirred. Same word in the Hebrew. Same word. And whether the place was physically shaken, as it was in the Philippian jail, or the people were stirred up as they prayed. Have you ever gotten stirred up when you're praying? Yes. yes. Ready to go out? And the place shakes, so it could have been Yeah, it could have been both. It could have been both. And, and so the principle is that when we pray, We and the place where we're praying and the situation, there can be a shaking going on. Get stirred up. 
Don't pray until uh, I feel relaxed now. Pray until you get stirred up. Yes. Well, I remember I was, I want to mention to you today before we close here. Uh, Donna Stevenson called the other day and left a message. She's just having a lot of health concerns. Anybody remember when Donna used to be able to come to prayer, Bible study prayer meeting? That lady can flat out pray. When she prays, the place gets stirred up. I've just been my experience. And uh, we want to pray for her today. And we want to go right now, not just pray a nice little soothing, oh God, bless us and help us to have a wonderful day. Wouldn't it be great if we got stirred up and the place was shaken by the prayers that are here today? Don't just say the same thing. Don't just pray a, a, a model prayer together. Just, how about we get fired up in our prayer today? Wouldn't that be a good thing? I think so. So we're going to take prayer requests right now, and I want to lift up Don before you. Yes. It's me. Yes. yes. Uh, Mark's asking the prayer for the family. Dwayne, John's brother just passed away at Lenovo. What? Yeah, that's what I know, Mark. I'm in shock. Dwayne, Dwayne. Dwayne. Dwayne, uh, John O'Neill's brother just passed away. Oh, my. Yes. Um, we lost two of our neighbors. They had to move because uh, my friend's husband had uh, diabetes. He became blind, and he, they also he had uh, infection in his leg, and they had to take his leg off. So they need prayer. And their first names were. Holly and uh, <coughs> Chuck. Chuck and Holly. Okay. Other prayer requests, yes. Uh, my sons and their families. Your son and their families. Their names? Oh, okay. My granddaughter, Hannah, had a baby boy yesterday, the first boy. Mm -hmm. And uh, she's in labor all day, but they had to do a cesarean. And she has two little, other little kids, girls, uh, three and four. So she's going to need help. Okay. Pray for her. Yes. Next Wednesday, I won't be able to come. I'm going to have a lock, lock home with surgery. And um, mm -hmm. just pray that, you know, Bob uh, Joe is going to take me. So just okay. Uh, Dave Swiger and Brenda are both down still. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave is. Uh, and battled pneumonia, and they put him on another round of uh, uh, antibiotics, and Brenda passed out two times at work. But she's back today, but having some issues there. Uh, a lot of different things going on. Unsaved loved ones, we want to pray for those who don't know Christ as yet. Uh, situations that are unspoken, but are of great need and necessity. We want to pray for Donda. We want to pray for uh, spiritual leadership over us, that God would guide and direct them and uh, cause them to be in tune and in harmony with God's Word, not the, the feelings and sentiments of the day, 
as somebody shouted out, the woke culture. Yeah. I want to be in tune with Jesus, not the woke yeah. culture. Doctors say that do about what so they can do for him, and he's terrible pain. And so remember him. Uh, remember uh, the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, the prime minister was on the other day, and he don't look good. I mean, he put the pacemaker and all the pressure from the court yeah. press and stuff. Yeah. He's going through it. Yeah. And then my last is uh, my dear friend, uh, wife in Florida. She's got COVID. She's been comatose, but she's coming out of it. But they're going through a terrible time down too. And they're Let's uh, let's go to prayer. Can we have several lead us out in prayer? And let's let's uh, draw in close to the Lord and and realize that prayer is important and prayer can shake things up. Hallelujah. Dear Lord Jesus, we truly thank you for this day. Thank you for the words, Lord. Surely it is uh, light unto our feet. We thank you, dear Lord, for the man of God, our pastor, Lord. We ask you to touch him from the top of his head. He can bob and pop the We ask you to look down upon him. The peace of Jerusalem, Lord, the Prime Minister, Lord. We ask you to look down upon all the prayers of our sisters and brothers, especially the young ladies on my head. The operation on her eyes, Lord. Touch your Lord Jesus. Look down upon others. The assembly of this church, Lord, touch them, Lord, for that are looking for you for answer of prayer, Lord. Mighty God, you are their prayer answer, God. You are the rock that we stand upon this time of ter terrible, terrible time. Mighty God, mighty God, but there is a blessing. Knowing you, we thank you. We thank you. We'll stand on that rock, Lord. That rock is Jesus Christ. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness and kindness and mercy on us, your people, Lord. Thank you, in Jesus' name, the name of all names.
Father God, we do come acknowledging that we need to pray for those in spiritual authority over us. Yes. Pray for guidance and direction. We pray, Father, that there would be a, a reviving of a desire for your word. We look and we see a, a, a famine, a famine of the true word of God. A dryness. And we pray, Father, that you would reinvigorate our leadership in, in pointing us back to the Bible, not to plans and formulas and, and other agendas, but back to the Word, back to the Bible, back to your principles, back to prayer, back to the Holy Spirit's work. And we pray, Father God, that you would help us to be people of prayer. That we wouldn't pray until we're calmed down, but we're prayed till we're fired up. We ask, Father, that you would uh, bring a spark, bring a, a pulse to your people. That we would be alive in Christ Jesus, impacting our world. Not a smoldering flame, but a blazing bright light to draw people to Christ. We pray, Father, for each of these needs that have been mentioned, whether it's down in Florida or other places, family members that need your intervention in their lives, in their situations, brothers and sisters in Christ that need a healing, that need the divine service of the divine physician, those that are backslidden, those that are without Christ, without hope, without assurance of eternity in Christ Jesus. We pray, Father God, that you would do whatever it takes to draw their attention to their need of a Savior. And Father, we do pray for our own city. We pray for the, the challenges that are around us. We ask that you would help keep this church as a lighthouse yeah. on the west side yeah. yes. Yes. to be a beacon to let people know there's hope in the midst of hopelessness because where there's Christ, there's hope. We ask, Father God, your hand to be upon us as we go today. We pray for Donda that you would touch her many and varied sicknesses and, and ailments. We pray for those that are that are being forced to move because of health concerns. And that, Father, you would bring in some some new neighbors that that Betty can minister to as they faithfully minister to these neighbors. And we just ask Father, continue to use her in that neighborhood to touch lives for Jesus. We praise you, Father, for all of these things. We lay them all before you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Yeah. Hey, I have, I brought signs. I don't know if anybody wants one. For the S signs? Yes. Oh, okay. So, I was on the, the thing the other day. Yeah, I got, I got a bunch, so. Okay. Give me some. Okay, I'll be right out. If you do not have a yard sign about voting yes, it's the liberal forces from expanding, from taking away our anti-abortion stance in the state. 
And also parental notification. They want to, on the ballot in the fall, they want to try and amend the Constitution so that parents do not have to be notified if their children want gender change. Right now, it only takes a majority to pass. We, we need at least a plurality of 60%. So vote yes on issue one next week. All right. There's signs available at the sign ladies card. Shana has some. I'm going to get some for my place.
Okay with that. 